What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doster, T.O. and Fanta Podcast. It is the DTF Podcast. It is Monday morning, February 28th, bright and early, 9.45 a.m. We had John Fanta roll out of bed, jump on the show with us. Uh, we had to get him going a little bit early today. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. It was maybe the wildest weekend in the history of college basketball. I don't think that that's saying too much. We had the top six teams in the AP poll lost for the first time in the history of the AP poll. Seven of the top 10 teams in the AP poll lost on Saturday. It's the first time that has ever happened. But before we get into all of that, we got to acknowledge what happened down in Providence this weekend. The Friars won their first ever Big East regular season title uh, 43 years in the conference, first time that they got it done. Fanta, you were in the building. You were on the call. You got two minutes. What was it like? It was something out of a movie. Absolutely incredible scene in Providence, Rhode Island. That fan base has brought it all season long. And what they did on Saturday night, a sea of green, a green out as a tribute to what Ken Pomeroy said and what he has Providence has the luckiest team in America. Well, this fan base has embraced it. This team has embraced it. Ed Cooley even featured it in his post-game remarks to the crowd, and they loved every second of it. Guys, covering the Big East closely, when Villanova has won the regular season, it is just another rung on the ladder. It's another step. They put the shirts on. They give a Villanova V. They head back to the locker room. Saturday night was the total opposite of that. Providence has never accomplished this. So they were going to celebrate like it, and they did. And I found it fitting that in a season of drama, in a season of nail-biting finishes for the Friars, on Saturday night, it was a party the whole night long because there was never a doubt that Providence was going to win this game. And they did just that. They did just that. It was a commanding performance, a 21-point win. I felt really good for A.J. Reeves, who's had a lot go on throughout his career and was a top-tier recruit for them when he came out of high school. On Saturday, he put it all together, goes for 23 points. They stormed the floor in Providence. It was one of those moments as a broadcaster where there's something that triggers in your brain that says, shut up, and I just shut up. And let the pictures tell the story on Saturday night. And Donnie Marshall did that as well as we just laid out and watched. We watched for a good five minutes without saying a single word because the scene of pandemonium, grown men skipping back and forth across (laughs) the floor, like full grown men just jumping for joy because they won the Big East regular season title. It was what college basketball is about. And it also shows guys what college basketball means in Providence, Rhode Island. The Friars are the pro team. They are the team there. 
And on Saturday night, those fans got to celebrate a championship on their home floor. It was beautiful in every way. What a cool experience to, to be there for it. Yeah, moments like that are what makes sports special. That's what makes sports great. That's what we, uh, if you are a sports fan, that's why you are a sports fan for those moments right there. Um, you know, hopefully, maybe one day we'll be able to get your Cleveland Browns to celebrate something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath. I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, on another note, it was it was really cool to see Ed Cooley in the back with his wife, Norice, taking pictures with the trophy. And Ed, Ed kept saying to people, who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought? Because he did. He did. He always believed. He always believed. But sometimes when you finally do it, you're like, man, like I never would have thought that here we would be sitting here. Because when he took over as the coach of this program, it was the old Big East. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Providence was in the basement. And here they are now at the top. And, and they are, they're 24-3, and three, gentlemen. What a special, special season. A season unlike any other in that town. You know, it's funny, Fanta, I can hear Ed Cooley's voice in my head saying, who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought? Just the way, exact way that he would say. It. All right, what we're going to do for this show today um, is play a little game called Fraud or Not, right? We had, uh, like I said, seven of the top 10 teams lost. All of them lost on the road. All of these games have uh, fairly significant impacts on conference tournament or conference title races on the race for the number one seeds on a whole bunch of different stuff so we're going to go through each one of these games and each one of these top 10 teams that lost and we're going to let you know whether or not we think they are frauds or not so to i'm going to you first on this one uh, we got to start off with the number one team in the country losing gonzaga goes into moraga gets dropped by saint mary's they score 57 points in a full 40 minute basketball game the gonzaga bulldogs let me repeat 50 seven points i'm pretty sure to scored 57 points in a 40 minute basketball game before what happened there to what's wrong with gonzaga i did it in a 32 minute basketball game in high school <laughs> in, in high school i did uh no here's the, the the biggest stat of the night for me when it comes to talking about gonzaga is uh four assists to 14 turnovers that's not typical gonzaga basketball and they're throwing the ball in the post and drew timmy was getting played one-on-one and they were digging at him but he was still being played one-on-one so they weren't over committing i'm not i'm not buying this gonzaga team as a fraud i actually think this was a healthy loss if there is such a thing because guys let's just call it what it is gonzaga gets bored over there in that conference and we can talk about st mary's is a good team but gonzaga is an elite team And Gonzaga has won that league. I don't know how many years running. They've been to the second weekend of the tournament. I don't know how many years running. It's a team that needed a wake-up call in order to perform as well as they could in the NCAA tournament. And I think this was a good thing. Uh, Drew Timmy obviously has to play better. Two of ten is not going to get it done. Uh, Andrew Nimard, zero assist for who we've been calling one of the top three point guards in college basketball for the duration of the season. That's not going to get it done. Now, I don't want to take anything away from St. Mary's because I love Tommy Cousy. He's one of my favorite point guards in the country. But this is a Gonzaga team that probably needed a loss heading into the semifinal game of the West Coast Conference Tournament, which is the most ludicrous bracket in college basketball. <laughs> I don't know who hasn't seen this, but it is the most ludicrous thing I've ever seen. The it's last place team has to win, what, six it's games? It's just a yeah, it's a It's a, it's a, it's a pair of scissors. It's a pair of scissors, <laughs> that bracket. And I'm sitting there, I'm watching, I was like, they have to win like six games. Last place team has to win six games in a row to win that championship because they <laughs> has to win two. Tell me in what world is this right, Gonzaga? What world is this right? But they're already in the semis. Good for them. Congratulations. They're a shoe win for the number one 
you know, a, a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. I still like this team. They have all the pieces. Uh, this was a solid wake-up call for them. It was a solid wake-up call for them. But it doesn't take away the fact that I still do have my worries about them in the NCAA tournament because this is a program that has come so close but has never been able to win the big one. And I'm asking myself, okay, is this Gonzaga team more fit than last year's Gonzaga team to come out as a national champion? That's the question I'm asking myself this morning. And internally, I'm thinking to myself, well, look, when Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy have their best day, the answer to that question is yes. Yes, they are. They are more than capable of doing it. On this day, though, St. Mary's did a terrific job defensively. This was Randy Bennett to a T. Put some respect on that man's name because I think he's one of the more underappreciated coaches in the country. To me, though, what what I look at is what you just said, Terrence. Four assists for this team. 14 turnovers. And we have talked about an opponent's ability to dictate the pace of a game, get Gonzaga a little bit off kilter, and force Gonzaga into a game that's not comfortable for them. And I look at what Tommy Cousy did, and you're right, I love him too. I think he's a really good player. But the fact that Andrew Nemhard had a performance like that is alarming to me because I didn't know that that was something that could happen. And the thing is, guys, you sometimes find out about your team when they have their worst night and how you prevent it from happening again. So a healthy loss in that regard. Because what if Andrew Nemhard had this night in the round of 32 or the Sweet 16 and it came to a shock to all of us? The point is, though, I, I'm a little bit concerned about Gonzaga in terms of when I'm talking about Gonzaga, we at this point are not talking about their ability to get to a Final Four. We're talking about if they're going to win it all. Now, I have some questions about their bench. I don't think that they're a, a, a great depth team. And I think I have some questions out of this game about what happens if somebody takes Timmy or Holmgren out, and in this case, both of them, what happens beyond that? And for Gonzaga, it was only scoring 57 points. I never thought that, that day would happen. So I'm both saying it's a healthy loss, but like, do I think that this Gonzaga team in the climate of college hoops – do I think that this is the year that they're going to win it all? I, I have my doubts about that. It's, it's, it's funny because if you look at – if you buy into Ken Palm's efficiency metrics and the, the efficiency margin and the way that his numbers break down, the gap between them and number two Kentucky right now is bigger than the gap between number two Kentucky and number 13 Purdue. That's how far ahead of the field Gonzaga is right now. And yes, a lot of that is because they're running away from teams and there's yep. no cap on efficiency margin, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, okay, we get it. Uh, but this, I, I do think that this Gonzaga team is very, very, very good. What I will say is this. St. Mary's kind of gave you the blueprint for what you need to do to be able to beat them, right? Yes. Uh, we saw it with Alabama and Gonzaga where if you are more athletic and you can thrive going up and down with them and you have talent to match them, then you might be able to run with them. If you don't have the talent to match them, you don't want to play like that. What you want to do is make them play possession by possession. Do not let them get out and transition because they are one of the best transition teams in the country. Do not let Timmy get out and run because he will get layups after layups after layups if you allow him to do that. 
make it so that you have to isolate their guards, right? Like I think that St. Mary's, on the one hand, this is a very, very good matchup for St. Mary's in the sense that the way that they play defensively with the size they have inside, um, the way that they can kind of isolate ball handlers, they don't really help off of you. They make your guards kind of beat you. They are, Randy Bennett seems, if you go back and look, they always lead the country in defensive assist rate. They make you play one-on-one. They make you make you beat them one-on-one. And if there's one thing that this Gonzaga team doesn't have, it's guards that are going to beat you one-on-one. So I think that when you combine everything, road game, St. Mary's is really good. Gonzaga has nothing to play for. This is a tough matchup. Uh, St. Mary's, what they do best is the way that you want to try to play to beat Gonzaga. Put all that together, and to me, that's why they lost this game. I don't know how many teams can replicate what St. Mary's did tonight or did on, on Saturday night. So um, I don't think, I don't think they're, they're, they're a fraud at all. I still think Gonzaga is probably the the favorite to win the national title, but um, this was a nice little, sometimes you got to get punched in the mouth, right? Yeah. Yeah, you do. Pretty, pretty. uh, Yeah. A good loss is a real thing and you obviously don't want them and they went home in a bad mood, but uh, Tommy Cousy too. I'm not sure you probably brushed over this, but Tommy Cousy just being able to control the game because the ball's Mm -hmm. in his hand a lot. Like he, he just, he doesn't let it get away from him. And if you have a really, really good point guard, like Gonzaga can't get out and run. Yeah. They, they can, too. they control the pace. They're so good at it. And, you know, Mark few and Randy Bennett have, have been battling each other for like two <laughs> yeah. decades in that conference at the top of the league. And Randy knows what Mark Few's teams want to do better than just about any other coach in college basketball, except for maybe Tommy Lloyd. Right. So being able to, to have a team that knows how to beat Gonzaga and is not afraid of Gonzaga is a big thing. And <laughs> you're, you're right about Tommy Cousy, man. That dude was a walk-on when he got to St. Mary's. Wow. And, and, and here's, a, here's the other thing. He's Kevin a bad Sweeney boy. Made, yeah, he is. Kevin Sweeney He's made a man. Point. Kevin Sweeney <laughs> made this point last night. Like, normally when you look at these St. Mary's teams, their best ones, they'll have a pro or an NBA player somewhere on the roster. Patty Mills, Matthew Dellavedova, Jock Landale. Uh, Brad Waldo, remember Omar Samhan? Like they got, they have someone that's kind of in that like elite tier of college basketball player, or someone that's going to end up playing in the league one day. Malik Fitz, um, who was the uh, yeah. Mickey McConnell? Like this team doesn't have that. Like who, who on this team are you looking at? And you say, oh yeah, that guy's going to be making you know uh, six figures with a curly number in the front uh, for a long time. Um, Tia, what do we got going on over there? Are My you, wife Tia- has just barged in and give, given me the dog. Where's, where's, where's Mrs. Oglesby? Where's Mrs. Come Oglesby? here, Maria. They want to say hello. Come yeah, say, come Ogl- tell the people hello. We only have 20,000 people that want to see your face after a workout. Come yeah. here, babe. Yeah, Mrs. Come Oglesby, say, come on. No, she did She did this to herself. This is my yeah. beautiful wife. Get your face out. Hey. <laughs> ask, her, ask her which ride she did today. Which, which ride, ride did you do? Which Peloton ride? Uh, I have done the country and the EDM. The country, how many minutes? She went 45 minutes country and EDM and she won. She won. She won the whole thing. Wow. Tell her, tell her it's time to go hydrate. Yeah. Hydrate up, babe. (laughs) Thirsty. That was amazing. She's ready for March. Yeah, Yeah. she's ready. She's ready for March. She's really ready for April, though. She is she's ready for spring break. Kids have spring break at the end of April. That's what she's ready for. Yeah. All right. So we talked about getting punched in the mouth. Um, yep. and if, he, uh, if T.O. keeps talking like that, I'm sure that his wife is going to come in and get him right there. But no right. the, other te- the other team out west that got punched in the mouth was Arizona. Uh, I got a stat for you guys. I don't know if you know this. 
Arizona has lost at Colorado five straight times now that they've played. There. <laughs> the Pac-12 champion has lost at Colorado five out of the last six seasons. We talked about it on After Dark, T.O. Uh, that, that building, that place is a very difficult place to play on the second game of uh, a three-day road trip, right? The way the Pac-12 goes, you play Thursday, you're off, you play Saturday. Playing at the altitude, back-to-back games on the road, not an easy thing to do. Uh, Arizona learned that the hard way. They scored 26 points in the second half. Uh, they were outscored by 21 points in the second half, and they lost 79 to 63. Fanta, is Arizona a fraud? No, they're not a fraud. But this is a reflection of the Pac-12's method of scheduling. I'm sorry, but this this sets up your best team sometimes for for failure. Yep. And and that's what this did here. Arizona is not fraudulent for playing second time in three nights and losing to Colorado like they do every year. You probably have come to expect that. Can I make one point really quick? Uh, The way that the WC scheduling works, Gonzaga played at San Francisco on Thursday and at St. Mary's on Saturday. I'd rather play those two. Do we see see any similarities with what just happened here? Road games, two out of three nights. It's tough. College basketball on the road is tough, man. It ain't no joke. It is. It is tough. It is tough. And Colorado is a team with 19 wins on their season. So you're facing a, a formidable enough opponent in that, in that span. Certainly St. Mary's is after San Francisco. But, but for Arizona, the, the thing about them that, that I look at with this game is that their guard shot a combined two for nine from the field. And what's our top concern with Arizona? What they're going to get backcourt-wise in terms of efficiency, in terms of making plays happen for others without turning the basketball over? Their, their guard play, Kirk Kreese had five assists in this game. He did have five assists in this game. He had three turnovers. They had 16 turnovers as a team. That's too much. Tired or not, second game in three days or not, you know, we're playing fraud or not. Is Arizona a fraud? No, they're not. They're not. You don't get to 25 and three and, and become a fraud. Uh, but big picture wise, when we're talking about these teams at this point in the year, we're talking about their ability to win a national championship. That's what we're talking about. And in that regard, I, I just don't trust Arizona's backcourt enough. And that is my big picture concern with these Wildcats. T.O., I do think that Arizona has some fraudulent tendencies. I'm not ready to call them a fraud, but I do think that if you look at the way that their their season is kind of broken down, right? Who are their best wins? They've beaten UCLA, who is good, but do we really know how good UCLA is? Uh, They have beaten Illinois on the road, which is a very good win. I'm going to give them credit for that one. That is a great win. Uh, But then their next best win is what? Michigan? Is it Wichita State? Is it Wyoming? You know, there's not a lot of uh, great victories that you're going to look at and say, okay, that is, that's proof right there that this is an Arizona team that can go out and win a national title. So I'm not saying that they're a fraud. I'm saying that there's some reasons that you can look at them and say, is, is, is the fact that they're sitting here at 25 and three, top five in Kempom, top five in all these metrics, a combination of a weak schedule and the fact that they're able to run up the score on people because they play so fast. Yeah, and the fact that when they can't get out and run, that really hurts them. And they, and when they're not hitting shots, other teams can come back at them. 
Mm-hmm. And I think Colorado had something like 57 or 50, 58 uh, points in the paint. That tells me they were guarding nobody. And coming off a game in which they were playing Utah and Kirk Kreese is going nuts, they're flying up and down the floor, and then they're going to Boulder on senior night. It, and here's the thing with senior night. It can go one of two ways. Guys can either be really excited to be there. They could be a little too emotional and sad. And then the building's half full, and then the other team comes in and sneaks them. It looked like the, the Boulder fans were ready to go. And the players were ready to go. And whenever Arizona's not hitting shots and their backcourt's inconsistent, uh, they struggled matching up. But, I, I, guys, I'm going to attribute a lot of this to, you know, altitude, uh, probably the smell in the, in the building at Boulder, because I've heard a lot of reasons why the people go to Boulder is some of the medicinal. <laughs> and... Uh, so You're attributing that, that to the loss. I'm attributing. I'm attributing. I'm attributing the the medicinal. Break, breaking news: According to Terrence Oglesby, <laughs> Arizona lost because everybody on the team had a contact high from had a contact high from they got, playing. They, they got, they got, they got secondhand medicinal. Oh my god! None of that point. is true. None of that is true. But the the altitude part is true. Like that's a hard yeah. thing. Go ahead, Fantas. Well, well, to your point, like when you say that that Arizona wasn't guarding anybody, Colorado had eight assists. They had ten turnovers. It's not like Colorado was revolutionizing offense here. They were getting to the basket at will. Mm-hmm. They took sixty four shots in this game. Sixty four of them. You took sixty four shots. You made four three pointers in the game out of sixty four shots. Like, that tells yep. you how easy it was for Tristan De Silva and Jabari Walker to be able to get to the rim. And that's exactly well, what they did. And they hit a, a three You know themselves. what the big thing is? Uh, Arizona, like Gonzaga, uh, the way that they've kind of built their team is around dominating the paint, right? They're, they're yep. among, the, among the, lead, uh, the, the national leaders in defensive two-point field goal percentage and defensive effective field goal percentage. Uh, Colorado. Shot twenty-seven for forty-nine. They they dominated that's, the paint. And you know another thing that Christian Coloco and Tabellus do so well though they get back on defense, mm-hmm. like and they didn't against Colorado. And not only that, the guards were having a hard time matching up because they were winded by the time they got back. And guys, I I don't know if you watched the Utah game. I watched that. I like I was sitting there watching that game. I was like, holy cow, they are flying up and down the floor. And I'm not really sure anybody will be able to do anything with Arizona if they're playing with this pace. Here, yep. Last thing about this one, though. So the triple buy in the WCC tournament is not what happens in the Pac-12 tournament. I will go on the record saying this. I do not think Arizona wins the Pac-12 tournament. Ooh. I, I don't. I just I have a gut feeling that league provides some weirdness at times. And uh, it's out in Vegas, at, if I'm correct. At, at uh, times, at times, the all the time. Hey, can I ask the you guys? A always drunk. <laughs> can I ask you a question? Did, They're not winning the, the Pac-12 tournament. Does the Pac-12 still fly commercial? I think no. a good amount of. I, I, I think some schools or they still fly do, private right? now. Some do. I'm pretty sure that UCLA does. Um, I think Maybe, it was yeah. more just UCLA was the one that was the the most evident one, but I don't. I don't think that they all. I think that there are some private flights involved in that, especially in the COVID era where you want to try to minimize contact with people as much as possible. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking about like you play at Utah, don't you fly to Colorado? Like, and then, so if you don't fly private, you got to get up, go through security the next day. 
and then after playing at altitude and then fly up even more altitude like that, you're going to be tired. I don't know if you've guys ever done altitude training. It is brutal. You can't oh, breathe. Oh, it's yeah. like every time it's like, <gasps> and it's like, it never got, you never get it back in your lungs. So it's, yeah. it's hard. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't have that many PAC 12 connections because I can't find too many people outside of Jeff Goodman that actually give a shit about the PAC 12 because <laughs> nobody cares about the PAC 12 and not don't even let- their fan bases care about the PAC 12. So that's a true statement. Maybe let, like four or five Arizona fans. That's don't it. Let, don't let Sean Miller hear, hear that. He will uh, He will not be happy. He'll be okay. <laughs> he, will, he will not be happy. Um, all right. Uh, the next game we got to get to. Auburn on the road lost 67 to 62 at Tennessee. Uh, they are now just a game in front of three teams in the SEC regular season title race. Uh, before we get into a conversation about Kentucky and Arkansas, we got to talk about these Auburn Tigers. T.O., with Wendell Green at the point, is there an argument to be made that Auburn is fraudulent? Yeah, absolutely there is. And and here's the problem. we were I was harping on, well, Zepp Jaspers can be the answer. But Zepp Jasper came in there. He couldn't even initiate offense. Because now Tennessee's guard is a Kai Ziegler and Kennedy Chandler. Like those guys get up underneath your legs and make it hard. But you just have to enter an offense. They were trying to enter the ball of Jabari Smith on a few possessions, and they couldn't get him the ball on the elbow. That's mm-hmm. an issue, guys. Like, if you can't get your best player the ball when teams are pressuring you, I, I'm worried. I'm worried. And the window, what did he end up, two for 15? Time to pump the brakes, dude. Like, this needs to be fixed in a hurry. And so I, I worry about that a lot. Over the last five games, he's taken the ball in his own hands at the, end of the, at the end of the games. Jabari Smith needs to have that ball. Point blank, period. I realize you want your guys to play with confidence if you're Bruce Pearl. I get that. But it's time to rein it back. You're, you're creeping into turn, uh, SEC tournament play. You're creeping into NCAA tournament play. This is an Auburn team talent-wise that can make a Final Four run. You better get your point guard in check. That's the only thing that worries me there. They're, so if they don't get that fixed, a fraud. And I hope you guys enjoy Jabari Smith because he's gone. And this is a solid shot to win a national championship if you get the point guard play in check. Right now, fraudulent as a million-dollar check that I could write Fanta because that sucker's right. bouncing. Fanta, let me play devil's advocate on this one. Uh, right now, Auburn is – let me make sure I have the record. I think they're 25-4, and four, right? They've lost three of their last six. One yep. of those losses came in overtime. I think it was by two points at Arkansas, right? One of them came by a yep. single point at Florida. Uh, one of them came by five points at Tennessee, which is a top 15 team in the country and a top 10 team in all of the metrics. So my question to you is – is this just a result of Auburn playing difficult games on the road in conference play at the end of the season? Yes, it is. You didn't have to play devil's advocate with me because I'm prepared to say that Terrence Oglesby is fraudulent for saying that on a Monday morning. I've come with fighting words to you, you fraud. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, look, so Wendell, Wendell Green Jr. is 13 for 51 over the course of his last five games. At some point throughout the route of 51, you got to calm down and, and stop taking shots. 13 for 41, I'd even respect. 13 for 51, that tells me that you're taking too many shots. Now, Bruce Pearl's a really, really good coach. The SEC features some really good coaches. And Tennessee basketball should win at home against the good SEC teams. And they did in this game. Auburn lost the game by five on a day where Wendell Green Jr. shot two for 15. 
And you look, you look elsewhere, they didn't get anything from their bench. And they shot 35% from the floor. They shot five for 24 from three. Here's the deal. Auburn is still more than good enough to win a national championship because they have a transcendent player in Jabari Smith. But at some point, your guards have got to be connected. Right now, their guards are disconnected, and they're still in these games. They're still in these games. They are going to cruise. I will call it right now. They're going to cruise to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament because they've seen this in the SEC. They are war-ready, okay, because they have seen it. They've battled. They've gone through all the fights. I don't know if they're winning the SEC tournament. That's going to be a free-for-all. That's not what life's about. If you're Auburn, life is about making an NCAA tournament run. They might do it as a, as a two-seed here because I, I don't know if they'll get the one. But I, I believe in Auburn. I believe in Auburn because Bruce Pearl got this team to this point already, and they've swallowed their lumps. But that's life in the Southeastern Conference. The SEC mm-hmm. is, a, is no doubt one or two this year in college basketball. Auburn is going to be okay because I trust their coach. And Wendell Green Jr. still needs to be a vital part of the equation, just not to the tune of two for 15. Yeah, so I the way that I would phrase it is this. I think that right now, Auburn, out of that like group of top four, top five, whatever, I think they're the most likely to get picked off by someone we don't expect because there's a very real chance that Wendell Green can have a night where he thinks yeah. he's Damian Lillard and shoots them out of a game. Like, I can absolutely see that happening. If you get Walker Kessler in a little bit of foul trouble and Wendell Green decides to, to have one of his one for 17 nights or whatever it is, then I think that that's, that's something that can lose you a basketball game that you're not supposed to lose. You uh, know what I could also see happening? Like, yeah. Wendell Green going for 40 and then Pearl yeah. getting on in the postgame press conference and be like, there's a lot of people who doubted him. But I stuck with him. <laughs> like, yeah, I, mean, I just look, know gotta, that's going to happen. Yeah, we got to remember here too. We're we're talking about, you know, a sophomore in college here who's been a little mm. bit. But Wendell Green Jr. is still a really really good player. He is like, but he's got to realize his role. He's got to realize his role. And you got to know your own scouting report. That's the most important thing that, in life. Though. Know your own it. scouting report. Tio knows his scouting Wendell. report. Tio knows his scouting report. Couldn't guard yeah. anybody. Got a couple shots up one time, had a dunk in the game. That's the touch it, report right there. Touch it, shoot it, mediocre defense, try to play help side to no avail. That's it. Shout, shout out to Eric Bossy. He uh, he calls that the all feels like leather team. If it feels like leather, <laughs> the shot's going up. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. All right. I, I gonna, made that team. First team all uh, feels like leather team. Yeah, you sure did. I'm going to change the order a little bit because I want to stick in the SEC. Uh, the great thing about this weekend was I think the two most hype games heading into the, the weekend – uh, featured the top four teams in the SEC playing each other. And I think the top four teams in the SEC are the the, the best four, uh, the best group of four in any conference in college basketball. So, uh, Fence, I'm going to go to you on this one. Yeah, Kentucky loses 75 to 73 at yeah. Arkansas. They get uh, Sphere Wheeler back. They get Ty Ty Washington back. Those two played a combined 64 minutes and shot a combined eight for 25 from the floor. Uh, is Kentucky fraudulent? (laughs) (laughs) No, come on. Are you kidding me? Arkansas showed that they could make the final four. Yes. Yes, hogs. Whoop pig suey. 
The Razorbacks <laughs> could make it to New Orleans. I hope they do because I think Mama Hog could cock back and cold cut Jeff Goodman in New Orleans. That being said, it's all it's all in good fun. <laughs> cold this- cold cut or cold cock? Like like in a cold cock? Like cold. I was no. hungry. I was no, a cold cut. No. Okay, she's, she's gonna okay. smack him. She's gonna smack him in a face, face with a piece of uh, piece of ham. That's what he's gonna <laughs> do. Smack, smack Goodman with a hoagie. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I think Jade, I think JD Note, JD Note was the best guard on the floor in this game. He's one of the best five guards in the country right now. Yeah. Look, Arkansas defense. Eric Musselman's teams defense. There might not be a better program builder in the sport at the moment than what Eric Musselman is doing, no matter where he goes. He's building things. Now, earlier in this season, there were doubts around them. But to answer your question, you asked me if Kentucky's a fraud. If I believe Arkansas could make the Final Four, I'm not going to penalize Kentucky for losing by two on Arkansas's court. Oscar Sheepway, nobody's got a formula for that man, still as we stand. So you're telling me that in the, and you guys are not telling me, but if, if, if somebody said this, in the, well, Kentucky's on upset alert. Early in the tournament, I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think so. Because Sheboy is such a dominant force. I don't know how the littler guys, uh, meaning, you know, not just the, the double-digit seats. I'm talking 8-9. I don't know how you handle all that. Because if Kentucky has any semblance of perimeter shooting, any semblance of perimeter shooting off of the work that Sheboy does, it's curtains. Good night. On this day, they shot four for 15 from three. I thought Arkansas's perimeter defense, guys, was as good as I've seen against Kentucky all season long. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Don't they get me the wrong. They shut the water off for Kellen Grady. They shut him they off. They did. He, he, shot, he got three shots off. He didn't make a shot until I think it was, there was like two minutes left. He hit that shot in the corner, said something to the fans behind him. Um, That's it. How, how, how big is that, T.O.? Is, is, that, is that the secret now? Shut off Kellen Grady. Don't let him get going. Play off severe Wheeler. Let Oscar Sheway beat you with twos. Hey, Ty Ty Washington was three at 12. Is that going to happen all that often? I mean, I I five of so. 13 for severe Wheeler. It's not going to happen all that often. And either one of those guys started. I, I think uh, this Kentucky team's about as for real as it gets. And I had my doubts at the beginning of the year because you had a different level of kid coming in there. These weren't all these five-star McDonald's All-Americans. But Coach Cal, give him credit. He's figured it out. He's got a bunch of really, really good college players. And Oscar Tshibway is tough. As hell, he is so good on the on the on the glass. It's like insane. I can't remember the last guy that just dominated like that. Now I know Kofi Coburn and all that stuff, but like, how many guys have been able to get thirty and eighteen in a top ten matchup consistently? Every time they match up with somebody big time, like he is like thirty and twenty. It's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. I mean, look, you go on the road and you lose by two or five or whatever. It was basically that. This was a one possession game. You lose a one possession game in Bud Walton Arena to a team that has won 13 of the last 14 and beaten Auburn, Tennessee, and Kentucky in that building. There's no mm-hmm. shame in that. It's what happens. Yeah, and, you don't- and keep in mind, like, I, I agree with Fanta. Like, Arkansas is a Final Four contender. Why? They've got, they're so big and strong around the perimeter. We, we said at the beginning of the season, and then we kind of fell off the wagon whenever they went through their. Uh, whenever they went through their little rut during during Christmas break, weirdly enough, have you seen like outside of Christmas break, Arkansas is twenty two and one. When students are on campus, they're yeah, twenty two yeah. and one. Is that well, not nuts? Is there some well, kind it, of correlation there? Do they need to go to English Comp two? Like, what is no, the deal? I, I don't understand that. The issue the issue was a lot more. Uh, there was some infighting over 
uh, whose team it was. And now that we realize that this is JD Note's team, and everybody seems to kind of be on board with the fact that this is JD Note's team, uh, it, we've seen them take off. And you're Chris likes only played six minutes. If you would have yeah. asked me if that was going to be the thing, like I would have, I, I would have seriously doubted that. Oh, I thought we called he him a major excited. get. We called yeah, him yeah. a major get in the offseason. And uh, no, this is JD Note's team. This team has a better chance of getting to New Orleans than they do losing the first weekend. Yeah. Yep. JD, and putting, JD and Note, putting, go ahead. Go ahead, Tio. Putting uh, a DeSatoni at the two. Man, you are big, you're physical, you're switchable. And then Jalen Williams kind of sets it off because he's got that size at 6'10", 240 that can guard opposing fives. Like, they're they're good. And here's my thing towards the tournament, and you guys probably heard me say this a billion times, but, like, if you have somebody you can put the ball in his hands to go make a play, that's a huge advantage, a huge advantage in the tournament because you're so well scouted. And then if you're big, physical, and switchable, Huge advantage because the referees swallow their whistle because you got to get games going. And now, then if you yeah. have a five man that can compete, oh, I mean, yeah. Arkansas has all those things. Now, briefly yeah, they, with they, Kentucky, briefly with Kentucky here, I want to tee you both up. So, you know, if you could talk about Wendell Green, we got to talk about this. I mean, Ty Ty Washington went three for 12 in this game in 35 minutes. To me, that says a lot more about the fact that he's coming off of an injury, um, mm-hmm. hasn't played in a couple of weeks, and is getting thrown into. Uh, a matchup like that against the best defensive team in the conference on the road in the toughest environment to play after not playing for however long he wasn't playing for not practice. Like to me, it's just, okay, look, we, that, that's, that's a, that's a free square, right? You lose okay. this game. Yeah, yeah. Like whatever to me, it's, it's a free square. If I don't ask the question, I don't get that answer. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's worth, it's worth mentioning. I'm, I'm far more concerned with severe Wheeler at the point because of his inability to shoot and the fact that you don't have to guard him than I am with anything Ty Ty Washington. Does that make sense? Hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, last point I'll make. J.D. Note, Johnny Davis, the two guys that I can see throwing a team on their back and going full Kemba Walker and carrying somebody to the final. Yep. Those are, those are the two dudes that I think can get it done. Uh, all right. Let's go. They don't rely on anybody else. They don't have to rely on anybody else to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, real, real quick. Uh, There is nothing more important than peace of mind when you are online. And that's why we have NordVPN as a sponsor with all of the threats that you face today on the internet is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN that you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service offering the fastest connectivity, most servers and next gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system with NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth. You never have to worry about a slow connection and plans start at just under $4 a month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe b-l-e-a-v to get up to 70 percent off your nord vpn plan plus one additional month for free you know who needs a nord vpn plan right now matt painter they went into the breslin center and lost 68 to 65 to the michigan state spartans to i am firmly on team purdue is a fraud tell me why i'm wrong Ah, it's hard. It's it's hard. I got one foot off the bandwagon, one foot hanging on and barely. Uh, <laughs> you got to find ways to get a stop. And for hey, quick, really quickly, Fanta, I don't know if you saw it the other day, but Doster completely threw Ryan Daly under the bus with the NordVPN 
uh, <laughs> ad read the other day. Did you see that? I was so shocked he didn't throw me under the bus today. Well, they, you know, see, the Daly's like 23 is, years old. He's like, they don't want your search history and all that stuff. And Daly's like, we're trying to find a way to dive out of the camera's view. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Terrence, the problem is he does the read. We have to take the read from him. Like, that's the only way. It's the only way this is going to change. This is the only yeah. way it's going to change. All right, go, uh, go ahead with uh, your Purdue. Sorry, back, back to Purdue. But uh, Tyson Walker hit a big shot, but Michigan State came out small. I was curious if they were going to, if Purdue was going to leave Travion Williams in there and they got the switch they wanted. And here's the thing you can disguise a lot of things by being so good offensively. The hard part about that is you got to get timely stops. Purdue proved to me that that's going to be really difficult. I worry about this team defensively. You got to stop Sasha Stefanovic. Isn't that what Sweeney said last night? You stop him, you stop their outside threat because everybody else is a rim pressure based attack player. That makes me worried. The Purdue offense is as good as ever. That defense, if teams are able to keep it close, I worry towards the end of games. Uh, that offense is so good, I get worried. But defense in the tournament is usually what sticks out. So it's it's hard to really feel like Purdue could win a national championship at the rate things are going. Yeah. And here's the thing. The formula for Purdue is out there to a point in which Michigan State could do what they did on Saturday, and that's say, you know what? We are going to eliminate what makes Purdue so lethal. Back in November and December, on these shows, what did we say? Man. Purdue is so, so good because they have four, maybe five guys that are capable of hitting a three and not just one, but could hit three or four in a game. So Michigan State says, we are taking that away from you. We are going to do everything we can to take it away from you. And guys, there's a reason why Tom Izzo just had that record performance in the Big Ten for all-time wins with Bob Knight on Saturday with that victory. And it's because he is one of the top five best game planners in the sport of college basketball. If Purdue gets the three-point line taken away from them, they are not good enough on the defensive end of the floor to compensate for that. They're not. And that's the problem with the Boilermakers in the NCAA tournament. Is that if, on the other side, what does it take to beat one of the better teams in the country? You have to turn it on from the perimeter to a degree. And teams are more than capable of doing that in today's college basketball. The three-point line can't be the single determinant of your ability to win. Now, the person that's a Purdue fan is going to say to us, well, wait, wait a minute, we have two trees, and Zach Eady was great in this game. How could you say that the three-point line is a single differentiator? Eady and Williams, like that, what they do in the paint, that's a constant for them. It's a constant for them. But when they hit threes, it feels like six. You know, it feels like more than it actually is because they just get into a rhythm. And sometimes they're, not sometimes, all the time. Purdue's best defense is their offense. Yeah. Purdue's best defense is their offense. That, that's going to come back to haunt them. And that's why you're saying that they're a fraud. Is that, are they actually a fraud? Well, I, no. But are they a fraud in terms of their ability to win a national title? They are because they simply do not guard. They don't guard to the level that you have to if you're going to cut down the nets. I, I'm I'm on board saying that, that frauds 
Broadfield's harsh. They're a very good team. Yeah, but of course. I'm I'm on the bandwagon of them losing uh, in the first weekend. I think that that's probably going to end up happening. There's a couple reasons why. One, uh, the two teams, I said this on After Dark, the two teams they remind me of, last year's Iowa, lost in the second round to Oregon, got smacked. And 2012 Missouri, uh, the team that had um, Kim English at the four, Frank Hayes first year with Missouri. They were 30-4 and four on the season. They won the mm. Big 12. Uh, they led the nation in offensive efficiency. They were 154th in defensive efficiency. Lost in the first round to John Fance's favorite, Kyle Quinn and the Norfolk yeah. State Spartans. Uh, so I, I think that Purdue is is prime for an upset. If you don't have great point guard play, hit the buzzer, click, uh, and you can't really guard anybody, like that is just, it's a huge, huge, huge red flag for me. Now, all that said, Jaden Hivey, would anybody be surprised if he went for like, 30 points and seven dimes and back-to-back games and carried this team to the final four. No, of course not. But he's got to do it. You got to take, you got to seize that and then take it. You know what I mean? Like there's times with Purdue offensively where I'm like, where are they going here? Or what are they, when they they have options, but sometimes when you have a bunch of chefs in a kitchen, it doesn't mean that you're going to have a great dish at the end of the day. And right now with, right now with Purdue, they've got a lot of ingredients (laughs) They've got a lot of ingredients, but uh, they're just they're putting too much yeast to make a nice homemade Easter bread. <laughs> they got some great ing- ingredients, but Fanta's cooking is a problem right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, I still think I, I think their talent level is there. They're, nobody's going to deny that. But God, if you're not in sync on the defensive end of the floor, it's really hard to win this time of year. Yeah. I, I mean, look, they don't have great defensive guards, and and Zach Eady is uh, is going to be at risk anytime that you play a team that's going to put them in a ball screen. It's just and it for is. the record, like, for the record, Michigan State is not a great offensive team. No, and, look, and here's the thing. When you make They're Rob Finnessy, when you make Rob Finnessy and Xavier Johnson look like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, when you let <laughs> AJ Hogard and Tyson Walker go for 19 points and 10 assists, like it's just yeah, that's that's there's a reason why so many point guards are having career games and just wait until they end up going up against a team that has like a great point guard. Like what happens if they play Oral Roberts and Max Aceman's? He might get 60. He might get 60. Against All right. We got to move on. We got to get to the big 12. Uh, yep. We can kind of talk about this a little bit. Big picture. Um, Kansas went into Baylor, jumped out to a 13 point lead and ended up losing 80 to 70 against Baylor. Texas tech goes on the road, has a lead, blows the lead against TCU, uh, ends up losing 69. Nice to 66. Um, I want to start, let's just start a little bit with Kansas first and foremost. CEO, I'm going to go to you. Uh, are you feeling good about them now that they have Remy Martin back? Are you worried that they went on the road? Is this more of a sign of Baylor um, being back and being relevant again? Talk to me about this game and this matchup and how it played out. I've gotten to a point now with Remy Martin being kind of, he is what he is. Like he's not going, he's not going to be a difference maker for this team this year. It's just not going to happen. I don't think he's going to be able to play enough. He does bring some added speed, but guys, I mean, Harris, Dewan Harris has done a fine job running the point guard. I mean, he, he, we keep talking about point guard play. You know what? I'm going to get can't shoot this the open, ball. This open well, space right here. This open. I'm, I'm I'm just going to get a big like button. It's just going to say point guard play on it, and then every time I'm going to say point guard player, Jeff says I'm just going to hit the button. So there there solves that equation there. But it, he he's been solid enough. Doesn't shoot the ball great. Fine. But their wings are, are so elite. I'm not necessarily worried that David McCormick's coming along nicely. Uh, I like Kansas. And more than anything, I like Kansas because of Bill South. 
And the matchup against Baylor was interesting because with Jeremy Sohan at the five, they provided some different matchup-based things offensively that kind of could throw Kansas for a loop. And what ended up happening was Baylor was shooting threes with Sohan, and they were trying to get twos with McCormick. And then sometimes that doesn't work out great. Uh, I love I, I love Kansas. I love Ochai Abaji. I think he's terrific. Christian Braun, I think he's a very good p- player. I don't know that he's the elite player that people are starting to throw him in the context with. I think he's a very good player. But uh, Ochai Abaji, he's another guy that could get hot, rattle off 30 for a couple games in a row and get you to lead eight. Uh, as far as winning a national championship, I don't know that there's enough around him to be able to do that this year in Kansas. Okay, I like both these teams, but on Saturday, Baylor reminded me why I love them. Because Mm. when they lock in like they did on Saturday, after a not good start, you fall behind in that game, you're thinking to yourself, oh man, I mean, maybe Baylor's far from what we thought they were. They answered the bell, guys. They answered the bell. Here's my concern with Kansas before I get back to Baylor. Baylor shot three for 14 from beyond the arc. Not saying that three-pointers are their game. But guys, Baylor shoots three for 14, and they scored 80 points. 80 points. Flo Thamba was terrific in this game. I mean, beast mode unleashed. He goes for 18 and nine on this day. And Jeremy Sohan, I think, like, Rob, you've talked about Sohan's raw potential at the next level, potentially down the road. Sohan's a, he is a big-time player. And, and I thought he came off the bench and gave them a great contribution in this game. Baylor, to me, reminded us on Saturday that uh, it doesn't have to be perfect on the perimeter for them to win, that they're just really, really good defensively. And from a rebounding perspective, think about the fact that in this game, James Akinjo and Adam Flagler shoot a combined seven for 23. They did not shoot the basketball well. Akinjo went two for 10. And we talked about how much of a key Akinjo is. They win the game by double digits. Yes, on their home floor, but they win the game by double digits. I am buying all, I'm putting the stock into Baylor, into the reigning national champions, just because I think that they have more ways that they could skin a cat. Whereas Kansas, to me, the problem with Kansas is, is that Ochai Abaji, as good as he is, he's got to take a lot of shots at times. Their point guard play Like, at this point, Remy Martin is what he is. So I'm not going to sit here and say Remy Martin's changing the total equation. It's late February now. And Harris, Dwan Harris, he had seven assists in this game, guys, but he didn't make a shot. And that's that's my issue there is that it's not elite point guard play. It's good enough to beat a good amount of teams, but it's not elite point guard play. And David McCormick has still been too up and down for me to have a lot of faith in him. So... I'm going to vote Baylor over Kansas big picture, not just because they won on Saturday, but I like their ability to win games in different ways more so than I like Kansas. So I I think that Saturday kind of showcased the concerns I have with all three of the teams at the top of the big 12. Uh, Let's talk about Texas tech. We haven't really gotten into them at all in this conversation yet. Um, My issues with them and not having a great point guard is, is something that we've talked about over and over and over again. They don't really have that initiator that you go to at the end of a clock. We saw uh, Davion Warren at one point, right? I think it was with a minute left and they were down by one. Uh, Just dribble the ball off his foot out of bounds on one of the most important possessions of the game. Um, On the last possession, down by three with seven seconds left, we saw Terrence Shannon come up 
dribble the ball up, take a 25-footer off the dribble with seven seconds left on the clock. Uh, we saw them melt away a double-digit lead at Texas and have to sweat out a win at the end, right? They, they don't have that guy that you can go to and just say, okay, go get a bucket. You look at the best Texas Tech teams on the Chris Beard, Keenan Evans, Matt Mooney, Jarrett Culver. Those dudes were studs that could go get it on their own, and I don't think Texas Tech uh, has <clears> that dude. They're really, really good, but I think that's going to hurt you when you kind of get into a close game later in the postseason. Um, I think with yep. Kansas, uh, well, let me go to Baylor first. I think with Baylor, the issue, they basically go six deep, man. They're playing a Division two guy as their seventh guy, Dale Bonner. All yep. due respect, he's a Division two transfer. You got to get LJ Cryer back, right? I think that is a huge thing. Not having Jonathan Chambochachua, I think, changes what their team is going to be. You're now seeing them play Jeremy Sohan at the five in the minutes when Blow Thamba's not out there. And you're basically changing what you've done all season long at the end of the year. And that's a difficult thing to do, especially when we don't have much depth. And especially when all of those key pieces are, are young and are freshmen. Um, it's putting a lot of pressure on James Akinjo. Not having that shooting means there's not any space for him to go. It means he's have to, you've talked about the steal. He's got a pound that thing. He over dribbles, over dribbles, over dribbles because the ball's not moving around because you don't have that other guy. So um, I'm worried about Baylor. I think that I would at this point say Kansas is the team I feel most comfortable taking, making a run to get to the final four. One, they got the best player, Oshai Baji. Two, they might have the second best player in, in Christian Brown, depending on how you want to phrase that. And three, I think getting Remy Martin back, even if he's a guy that plays 15 minutes as a change of pace guy off the bench is a big thing for them. That's where I'm at with it. So I, I think that Kansas, if I had to guess at this point, Kansas to me would be the team that I would pick to get to the final four. But listen, this has been a good show. This has been the DTF podcast. We've been here for about an hour. We talked about all the big teams that lost. I don't know how we got through it. We had a, <laughs> we had a, we had a little appearance from, uh, from T.O.'s, uh, from, from the boss of the Oglesby household. Mama O. Uh, mama, mama, from, mama T.O. Just from, yep. from Ma- Mama O. Made her mama first o. podcast appearance. We're still waiting for, uh, for Mrs. Fanta to make her, uh, her, her appearance <laughs> on the show for the first time. That might have to happen down in New Orleans. But listen, this has been a fun show. We, we're going to be back. Uh, next Monday morning with another episode of the DTF Podcast. So for Terrence Oglesby, for John Phantom, my name is Rob Doster. See you guys Monday.